Bretto, the Wellness Base Camp hits your hometown of Adelaide this weekend. Oh, I'm so pumped, MP. The Brisbane Base Camp was a sellout and the feedback was inspiring. Christine said, keep up the incredible work and energy. You made me feel so, so good. Kira said, I loved all the speakers and the vibe in the room and there were so many aha moments. And Lauren said, no matter how many times I hear each of these people speak, I learn new things and always have action steps to take away. Oh, how inspiring is that, MP? It's great to see this event making a real shift in people's lives, Bretto. So jump on board for Adelaide folks, Kim Morrison, Damien Christoph, JP and Andy from Smashed Avocado, myself and the hometown hero, Brett Hill. Oh, MP. The Wellness Base Camp, Saturday, April 7 at the Arca Bar in Adelaide. Two for one tickets available with the code COUNTDOWN at thewellnessbasecamp.com on Eventbrite or search for the Wellness Base Camp Adelaide on Facebook. The code again is COUNTDOWN with the tickets available at thewellnessbasecamp.com on Eventbrite or by typing the Wellness Base Camp Adelaide on Facebook. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up For A Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, Up For A Chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Mara. And we have the beautiful Megan Larson. Oh, 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 oh. hello, gorgeous. We have the beautiful Megan Larson on the show with us today. And Megan has got an incredible story, but also wonderful history working with our Kimmy. So I'm not going to monopolize the introduction of this podcast because I think, Kimmy, you can really speak to the relationship um, that you've had with Megan and the beautiful journey that the two of you have been on over the years and why we've decided to bring her onto the podcast today. Oh, thank you, darling. Yes, believe it or not, the journey with us started um, actually in the late 80s. We were both in the same aromatherapy school um, and it wasn't until about 20 years later that Megan happened to pick up our book that we had written called About Face and we connected up again. And in that whole time, we had been looking for a skincare manufacturer, somebody who would help us with oils, somebody who actually answered the questions that we were asking and everybody kept telling us it was not possible. And so to reconnect with someone like Megan with her knowledge and her history, um, it just gives me great delight to welcome you to the show today, Megan. So thank you for being with us. Thank you. So tell us, beautiful, how did you come to being here and who you are today? Give us a bit of your background and what led you on the journey into being one of the world's most renowned and well-respected skincare manufacturers and also um, speakers on the topic of natural beauty. Well, thank you for that amazing introduction, firstly. I believe that passion and purpose is what's led me to where I am today. I had a great desire to make a change in what was around many, many years ago for people to purchase for skincare. And it didn't tick my boxes. It didn't work for my skin. I was really seeking something natural, but also something effective. So from my passion for aromatherapy and 
my journey of discovering the benefits of essential oils in skincare really took me took me first to the south of France where I delved into more deep aromatherapy, getting a glimpse of how essential oils work on the skin. And then I came back and just started tinkering. I used all my knowledge and started to put some formulations together, creating first a moisturizer. And, um, and I think to date I've created over 200 products now. So it's been a, an incredible journey fueled by my passion, but also fueled by the passion that I've seen in others when they put something natural and effective on their skin. Mm, and I think that's where you are so remarkable, um, where you uh, – tell us about your shop, though. Like, that's where it also began, where you started making these products for um, people in your shop. Tell us how you got to that. Like, actually, even go back further. You know, you grew up in New Zealand. Give us a little bit of a history leading into the shop mm -hmm. and then how you came into where you are now. Well, I did grow up in New Zealand, like you, Kim. Um, and I grew up in New Zealand with a mother that grew all her own vegetables and fruits. Uh, I didn't actually realise probably until later um, as I got older what an incredible value that was. It, it's so interesting um, when I look back to my childhood and we would go and pick all our fruits and vegetables and on a very rare occasion would we ever buy anything. We had friends who would deliver fresh fruit, fresh um, meats and, and fresh fish. So in a sense, there was that um, earthy beginning. I do remember one Christmas that I wanted to be really creative and make everyone herbalized oils. Do you remember when they were around in fashion? And so I got to growing herbs and steeping them in oils and you know, supposedly these would be making everyone's cooking so much more exquisite. <laughs> um, fast tracking all of that and start, I started in pharmacy in New Zealand. That's actually where I started my working career. I didn't go to university. I left school when I was just after 16. Um, went into pharmacy, learnt some really basics, I, I guess, in that on um, how to even put some products together. And then decided to come to Sydney and study beauty therapy. Fast track that, I ended up in hospitality. I ended up like we all do, you know, skirting around and having a whole lot of other experiences. And then to where you started when um, aromatherapy became a real passion, obviously, for both of us. At that time, I had also opened a health food store in Perth because that's where I was living. and I was trying to look after um, people's health and well-being as best as I could. Um, so once I started making my products, I actually had a little captive audience, really. People would comment on that, ask what I was using on my skin. Um, and along we went on that little journey. Of course, when people started travelling over 50 kilometres to come and buy product, I realised there was a there was a product that people really did want to have. So when it comes to health and wellness and when you look at the food industry as a whole, one thing that Cindy talks a lot about is 
um, that, or actually she just got back from a natural health expo in America and felt at first that she is, you know, one of many, many people doing this and one of many people who are um, involved in in the food industry, except when she got there, she realised actually that only 10%, I think that was your total, wasn't it, Cindy? Only 10% of people were actually really authentically. Can you just relate the food industry now to the skincare industry, Cindy, and then we can link it in there? Yeah. Well, Megan, what I found, and, and we spoke about this on, a, on another podcast, so what I found was that um, when... I had been to the natural product fair, so they, they, or expo, they do food and skincare. And when I was there about five years ago, I didn't notice what I noticed this year. And what I noticed this year is that there's a lot of buzzwords and you might be able to relate to this. So the buzzwords were non-GMO, natural, certified organic, um, sustainable, fair trade. I think they were the main buzzwords. And, and of course there's a few vegans and ketos thrown in there as well. And, but when I read the ingredients and had a really good look at what they were on about, what I found was that it was all natural colorings, natural flavorings. You know, yes, they're making the, the, the tapioca starch from a, a non, you know, from an organic um, way, or they'll say rosemary extract, which, you know, it's, it's just clean labeling and a, a very, very manipulative food industry starting to do this in that they're tricking even people that I think have their best interest in heart, you know, for the, for the, for many people in what they're, they're making. But, um, yeah, that's what I found. I don't, I don't know if you're seeing that. And I did go through the natural products. So I did go through the skincare and, and looked at things like that. And I'd read the ingredients and I'd like, go, Oh my goodness. So I've gotten to the point if, the company is trustworthy. They will never, ever, not once, use anything that's dubious. So I love this um, chip company in America. I, they, I think they're called Bare, B-A-R-E. And they only ever use like good quality oils, potatoes or beetroot or parsnips or something like that. But I picked up one of their products and it had a natural flavoring in it. And I said to them, I think it had yeast extract as well. And I said to them, what, what, what are you doing? Why are you putting these products in here? You are the best chip company that I've found and you have gone and done this. And they said, well, we can't make more flavours without these natural flavourings. I said, then don't. <laughs> I was, don't do it. Don't fall for the trap that everybody's falling for. Yogi Tea have done the same thing. They're putting natural flavours and, and everything in their teas now. Um, and I just, that's what I found. Mm. What about you in the skincare industry? Oh, exactly. Is this what's happening? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I think what happens is, especially in the skincare industry, we're fueled by trends. Well, I'm not fueled by trends, but the skincare industry is. And I remember um, it would be about 18 months ago, maybe two years ago, someone said to me, why aren't you using hyaluronic acid? And I okay. said, well, I don't want to use hyaluronic acid. It comes from rooster comb. And someone said to me, but, oh, look, it's amazing. It does all of these things for the skin. It helps the hydration, you know. It, and I said, and so do essential oils. It's, it's really, um, and I think 
for all of us on this. It's, it is actually, we're all in the same boat. It's quite challenging to stay true to what your core um, beliefs, you know, maybe it's your own integrity as well and your authenticity. But I think if you don't stay true to that, then you damage your brand. There's absolutely no doubt, but you damage yourself because it's not actually why you got into it in the beginning. So it's, it is a great challenge for me. And we do get asked because we are a skincare product that that's been distributed around the world. And I know Kim, um, through 28 has been asked also about a lot of ingredients that her and I have discussed and we just don't believe that they are a fit. They're, they're, not, they're not actually great for the skin. They might be a trend, but they're not great for the skin and they're not great for the body and uh, maybe the same as food, but how I formulate is I like to formulate so it's in harmony with the body. So when I'm formulating a product, I want it to really balance the skin that would be the number one so balance if it's dry balance if it's oily balance whatever the skin condition is but we all know the body has an innate ability to heal itself and so too does the skin you've just got to give it the right environment or the right ingredients so bravo to you cindy on the food because oh, it's, it's yeah frustrating isn't it yeah, yeah. yeah really one of the sciences or some of the sciences that are coming out in the nutrition world at the moment, and look, I am just loving it. I can't get enough. I just drove six hours yesterday and all I did was listen um, to the science of what uh, glyphosate is actually doing to the body, um, which is a chemical that is sprayed, you know, 4,000 I think it's billion ton or million ton is being sprayed worldwide. And so I was, I was listening to, you know, what it was doing to the body. But we always talk about, you know, like nutrigenomics, epigenetics, metabologenomics. So what we are consuming, what the bugs that are in us are making uh, actually speak to our DNA. Mm -hmm. So if we have bugs on our skin mm -hmm. that communicate with our DNA mm -hmm. to put preservative or something that's going to take those bugs away from our skin um, would be detrimental to the body's ability to communicate. Have, have you come across this science in the skincare? Well, I've just kind of made that up thinking, well, yeah. surely those bugs must be doing something. What have you well, come up yeah. with? So actually there is. There's a lot going on about this at the moment. So they refer to it as the skin biome. Oh. and. Um, and what, what I have said, right, you know, I've been saying this for years. It's just interesting now it's coming out, I think, in a more, um, maybe in a more audible version so people can understand. But what happens is all of our, our skin is protected by a layer of healthy bacteria. Um, and it's really important that we don't do anything that damages that healthy bacteria. Interestingly, one of the things that damages it more than anything is sulfates, 
harsh cleansers, really aggressive exfoliants. So a lot of people, gosh, I remember years ago used to be that apricot facial scrub and, <laughs> and everyone would get into it and, you know, scrub the life out of their faces, you know, every, every couple of days. So all of those things are really harmful and they destroy and distract this, this first line of defence or the skin beyond. What um, what I've been really delving into is how essential oils actually help to stabilise, balance and protect the skin biome. So they don't, they're not aggressive. Um, if Well, let's put it into perspective. If essential oils are used in the way that they're supposed to be used and that is moderately you know they're 70 times more potent than the plant so putting them on the skin direct and neat is not advisable you know you really do well follow 28 because they've got some some great um suggestions about looking after your skin with essential oils but it is it's all linking back the skin biome and it's really interesting cindy to hear you say now about the dna and and it would be linking all the way through to the gut. Most definitely, because the skin absorbs mm. um, not everything, but the skin yeah. absorbs a lot of what we put on it. And I was listening to this um, this gentleman talk. Um, he's, he's my new best. He's my new boyfriend, Kimmy. You know what I mean? Right. right. <laughs> right. I, don't know. I can't. I, I'm obsessed with him, and I read everything about him, and I listen to him, and I do everything. And anyway, he um, he was talking about. When we get out into nature, um, magnesium is, absol- is absorbed through our breath and through our skin, which wow. I didn't know that. But he said, especially when you get near an old fern, are very, you know, the old ferns, mm-hmm. the ferns are the most um, ancient of all plants that are still exist today. He says, get there, sit beside it, read a book. Karen will love this. Oh, yeah. So absorb. <laughs> Um, that all of the salts around it and all of its um, electrons and it will give you energy as you will give it energy. It's it's fascinating listening to this guy of what that, that is amazing. Yeah, mm. and that's one thing Kimmy has is that magnesium for the skin. He says, forget about eating it. The best place to do it is, is out in nature or put it on your skin. Yeah, yeah. The dermal. Um, absorption is is fabulous yeah your magnesium spray gosh i think it's in all of our bathroom cabinets it's a Mm. must isn't it okay so what i would like to know is that there are so many skincares out there at the moment and um the ingredients are what i look for you know Mm. in in food we look for nutritional labeling um, and we look at ingredients and then all the little buzzwords that are, are out there at the moment. So what do we look for mm-hmm. when we look at the ingredients of skincare, shampoos, conditioners, perfumes? Mm-hmm. I, I know this is a huge topic, but I'm throwing it at you, Megan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you are. And I, I'll do my best to answer it. I don't know everything, but um, <laughs> but I'll do my best to answer it. Um well, I always say that um, the, the simpler the labelling and the easier to comprehend, 
it's probably a little like foods. You know, you start getting these, um, and I'm not talking about Latin names of plant oils or essential oils, but you start looking at things that perhaps it might have started out as a jojoba oil, but it's gone through so much processing that it is now something that resembles jojoba oil, but it's no longer in the pure form. So for me, when I'm formulating and what I want my um, my purchases or consumers to be reading is a label that hopefully they would mostly understand. So the skin needs natural oils, so plant and, and nut oils. Um, jojoba oil is not an oil. It's a... Um, it's a wax, a fluid wax, but all of those do help to balance out the skin's natural oils. So look at a label and, you know, if things start getting long and hard to read and hard to understand, I actually think Mr. Google is a really good tool. You know, put the name into Google and see what comes out. Um, this, you know, I'm not telling everyone to believe everything they read on the internet, but it will be a good starting place. And there are now so many ingredients out there, Cindy, in answer to your question that I don't even know. Like sometimes I pick up a product and try not to pick up too many products because I'm formulating and I like to have a relatively clean slate. But sometimes I look at a product and think, what, what is that ingredient? I've never heard of it before. Exactly. So it's just what you're experiencing in the food industry. You know, what, what is going on and why, you know, why are these becoming so, I, I don't know, chemical? The, the challenge that we have experienced both with Sadashi and also helping Kim with 28 is preservatives. That has been probably one of our, you know, it's been one of our biggest challenges right from the start because we are natural. We do have to have a preservative in there because otherwise people, you know, by the time it even leaves our warehouse, you know, people put it in the fridge and maybe it would last four weeks. And um, we, for many years, have used a citrus seed extract and we have documentation from the company that supplies us that's out of Germany. It's, it's all um, extract, it's extracted without hexane. It's extracted without um, petroleum, which a lot of extractions can be with. Um, we've looked at excipients. Again, you know, all of the things that are used for the extraction and the processing. And we can't find anything in ours that makes it challenging. But it's got a bad rap out there. You know, grapefruit seed extract or citrus seed extract, people, people get concerned about. So we are now diving into the world of, of discovering other preservatives and it's got to pass our, you know, eight-week um, stability testing, which we do in-house with our incubator and our processing. So it's got to be able to, to stabilise at a range of temperatures. But... It's just the same. You know, we can't be giving people product or we don't want to be selling product that has got any sort of contamination. So that's an ongoing issue for us. So if you see anything, Cindy, let me know. <laughs> well, actually, it's funny you should say that. I just um, ran into the bathroom to grab something out that I found. 
um, in the product section. And it was, and the only reason I went there was that I ran into Dr. Cheryl Selman, who um, is, is an amazing forward-thinking woman. She's always ahead of her time. Every, like she's now just written a book on CBD oil. So she is way ahead of her time. And she said, Cindy, you must go and see this guy. Mm-hmm. So I went to it, this guy and his knowledge of preserve uh, of using a preservative mm-hmm. um, in the skincare was uh, amazing. He has a product that um, many emergency departments use mm-hmm. um, for healing and it's silver. So I've mm-hmm. just looked at it. It's called mm-hmm. patented silver solution. Mm-hmm. And, and that is basically what he uses, um, I yes. believe, as a preservative. Yeah, like a colloidal silver. Yeah. Um, okay, so I did a whole lot of research on this as well. Oh, good. Um, and one of the things you have to be careful with silver is it can um, be challenging for people with thyroid conditions. So if people have a – and, Cindy, you know, I'd love you to – you know, you've got, you've got far more knowledge in this area than me. But, um, but if people do have a, I think, a um, underactive thyroid, and it may also affect people with overactive thyroid, but the colloidal silver can be quite damaging or quite harmful to them. So we looked at it, but the challenge we also had and have with it is there are a few countries around the world that won't accept it in products. So Thailand, um, and they may have relaxed this, but um, they wouldn't accept it. And I'm sure there were, I'm not sure if it's the whole of the EU um, and it probably is now. So it's, this is the challenge that we run with. (laughs) First we find things, then we've got to see that, um, it's not going to present a major challenge. Uh, and then we've got to see that it actually is acceptable in the countries. Now, you know I won't export to China because of the animal testing, but there's other countries that we have to, we do have to get approval. We have to get registration to get our products in there. So I'd love to know anything that you can find about this colloidal silver and, and relationship to the thyroid. Well, I just had a, like a quick look on the internet, but uh, it's too hard for me to really look at it. Um, but I will, I will have a look at it, at it. And, and this is, you know, this is the challenge that we get when we purchase um, foods. So, you know, there's got to be preservatives in it if they're coming from afar or if they're pre-made. And so, you know, my thing has always been make from scratch, buy from your local market. Mm markets are foods that are, are, are traditionally like able to be preserved by themselves. So whole foods, so a nut or a seed, but even nuts and seeds when they're taken out of their shells will go off. You can smell it. Mm. Um, and it's interesting. I often smell that rancidity um, in a product, not mm-hmm. just food, but cosmetics. And I just have to throw it out because mm-hmm. I know I'm oxidizing my skin um, and creating free radicals if if I start to put that on my skin or start to consume it. So I get that we've got to preserve it. Uh, mm. It's just that all the preservatives that I've seen. Look, I have a question. I didn't know, because I don't really look into it, 
What's the buzz about the grapeseed extract and the what was the other one? Citric acid. So, um, so grapefruit seed extract. Well, citric yeah. acid. So um, citric acid is often used in formulations as a pH stabilizer. Yes. So that's another thing that we have to consider with all of the products that they are pH stable because otherwise you can get and a lot of natural products out there that that I see there you know they are potentially at risk of pH drifting so they can go from you know below what's acceptable on the skin you know to a high level as well um, and it is we we all have to look at that that's something we can all struggle with um, grapefruit seed extract there is um, you certainly wouldn't want to be buying that out of the USA out of the states because from what I understand and this is where a lot of the concern and challenge arose because almost every every bit of it in the states is actually extracted using um, you know some sort of petroleum yeah. so solvents usually yeah, 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 yeah. pretty much so it's mm-hmm. you know they they're just the ongoing things and I know with preservation so you're looking at a very small part of your product you know mm-hmm. it's a it's a tiny in a skincare product you know you're looking at at a very minute, sort of a, a 0.5% probably um, in most preservation. So it is minor um, and it's not, you know, it's not hitting the gut, but it does hit the skin. But in the same vein as if you're putting a product on the skin that isn't preserved and has got bacteria in it, that will also affect the skin. So it's just finding the balance and finding the cleanest possible preservative you can get. And I know, for a company like us, that's, that's a challenge. Yeah. I know in the, in the food industry, citric acid um, is now being made by genetically modified mould. Um, yeah. And no doubt that is the skincare com- company as well. And, and I don't know if we know the ramifications of this. Like I, I listen to people talk about it, you know, that we get a bacteria that we know that makes this and, and because they like Escherichia coli, they put the genes into Escherichia coli and then it will make the product mm-hmm. um, as far as bacteria goes. So I know, I know this is being done. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just that we have no knowledge of what are the long-term ramifications. Is this okay for us to do? Mm-hmm. You know, they did that with tryptophan um, what, back in the 90s, I think it was, and it wasn't cleaned properly and there was a toxin produced by the, the bug um, that was producing the tryptophan and a hundred people died as a result of it. Um, so, you know, they've learned from that, of course, um, Mm -hmm. to clean the product so that the citric acid is, is pure, but am I prepared to put that in my body and put it on my skin? Mm -hmm. And am I prepared to use grapeseed oil that is extracted using solvents Mm -hmm. or grapeseed extract? I I wonder if that's different to the grapeseed oil. Oh, yeah, grapeseed oil is different. Yeah, it's very. So it's grapefruit seed extract. Oh, grapefruit. Sorry. Yeah. So, yeah, they are. They're all all very different. Yeah, it is citrus paradisi, um, but it's the seed extract. Uh, Okay. 
So, yeah, so it's still still coming from the, yeah, it's not, look, grapeseed, I I won't actually use that in my formulating because mm. for me that's, that's, you know, genetically modified almost everywhere now. Um, I've got a real issue with some oils where I see that prevalence. You know, going back to what you started with about going to this conference and starting to see more things pop up, I remember I was at Aloha's, Aloha's conference in the States and I'm thinking it's about eight or nine years ago. I'm thinking it was like their first one. And the big buzz was about corn and um, and all these fabulous, you know, things that they were doing with corn and how it was, you know, just, just the next best thing. And the guy was up on stage and I said, you know, can you guarantee us that this corn is not genetically modified? And he just looked and he said, no, I can't. Mm. And I, you know, I just feel that it, that's that's what that's why we all exist because we're fueled by a passion and purpose to to uncover things you know and we just have to keep digging and I don't know it all and I don't know if I'll ever know it all but I do keep digging as much as I can and when someone suggests something that I respect um, I will certainly go and look it up and find out what's what it's about. So that's that's what I can keep doing, and thankfully we've got people like you out there, Cindy. Oh, I just feel like I'm not doing enough sometimes um, <laughs> because I see a new product and I go, "What is that?" Mm. And you know, to uncover it is sometimes really hard. Like rosemary extract is being used in the skincare industry as mm. a preservative, as well as mm-hmm. in the food industry. Mm-hmm. And I did look that up. I found that. Um, a lady by the name of um, Blythman wrote a book called Swallow That or Swallow This. And, oh, my gosh, she she's an investigative journalist and she decided to pretend she was part of the food industry. And so she went into all the fairs where no one else was allowed except the industry and started to, yeah, investigate what these new terms were. And, it, and she calls it clean labelling. That's what they call it. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure it's happening in the skincare industry as well. And mm. we're we're quite fortunate, I think, with the skincare industry, and even um, you, you know, we talked before about citric acid. Um, you know, if we're using that, that's like zero point, you know, zero five percent or zero point zero one percent. It's minor, and it's not hitting the gut. But what I'm always looking at is making sure that none of our products are affecting you know, that, that skin biome or that first line of defense on the skin. That's what's really important to me. Mm. Um, and that if anything has been absorbed, that it's not harmful. Um, but as you say, you know, now, yeah, it's just a constant. It's, it's a constant. <laughs> you okay, can't live so without any of it. So I have another um, question for you. I'm yeah. sorry, Kim and Karen, if I'm taking over here, but ask any time you want. But I just have all these questions now. So there's a new documentary out on Netflix Australia, and I'm sure it's on in America, and it's called Rotten. And the very first um, episode in Rotten is about the honey industry. And it starts with that more honey is being sold than is actually being produced around the world. Mm-hmm. and what's, what is happening there. So what they're doing is that the Chinese have figured out that if they add a certain sugar to the honey, it's undetectable 
when the honey is tested that it has been added to it. Mm-hmm. So that's what it comes down to. And, and less and less honey is being made because we're killing more and more bees um, and we're losing, you know, many of our native bees as well as um, the European bee. So my question is this. I remember Kim saying this to me that there is more oil, essential oils being sold than are being produced. What Mm -hmm. is happening there? Is it Mm -hmm. the same type of thing that's happening here? Well, I, I don't know exactly what's happening in the adulteration world of essential oils, but I know that more and more companies have got, um, you know, pending lawsuits and all sorts of challenges against them. We have, from the day we started, I've been working with a couple of reputable suppliers that that I get straight out of Europe and they work as co-ops. So one of them works as an organic co-op and he sources um, around the world Um, and the other one has pretty much gone and established his relationships with growers and distillers around the world. Um, And... You know, people, whenever they smell the essential oils that I work with, they always go, oh, my goodness, they smell amazing. Um, I know that um, that this got, and, and for me in skincare, it's just really important. I, I want the very best in there because I'm relying on those essential oils to rejuvenate skin cells or to balance sebum production. So if you've got something adulterated, that's just not going to do its job. I think that this is going on um, and I hear more and more about it, but I'm not, I'm not so much right in the essential oil industry. I'm, I use them. I'm, you know, I use them for aromatherapy and I use them for um, looking after myself. And as I said, we have suppliers for our skincare products. But as for buying, trying to buy bulk essential oils around the world and and sell essential oils i do not know what's going on there but i would probably second what kim's saying that there seems to be a lot more being sold than than possibly what's being produced there is um there is something that's been going on for years and it's called nature's identical and you know, it's a little bit like this honey that you're talking about, except they are being labelled as nature's identicals. Um, so, it, you know, you do always rely on the honesty of any supplier. But the good thing about essential oils is that it can be tested. You can, um, and and a really um, thorough, a person testing them, it's not so much to test for the monoterpenoids or the ketones or, or the major chemical constituents, but someone who really knows what they are looking at knows all the subtle chemical constituents and they would be missing in something that has been made or adulterated. Um, so we're lucky our suppliers all provide those to us. And as I said, I've gone, I've used suppliers that are, are well up in the, in the essential oil industry. So they know what they're doing. They're, they're qualified. It's a hard one though. It's, and, and I also think it doesn't just stop at essential oils, Cindy. I think that there's so much now um, as, as demand grows, you know, this is the thing. And, and for me, we've had to really develop relationships with all of our suppliers and our growers 
So we just know where everything's coming from. And, and of course, prices are going up. Mm, yeah. I, I do have to agree with you on that. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm very respectful of the conversation that you guys have been having about, you know, the additives and the preservatives and what works and what doesn't. And because I think there's so little um, available on the marketplace now for the person who really wants to get back to basics and really wants to, you know, um, be in harmony with what nature provides. Mm. And that is something that I have been um, thinking about even myself of late, seeing how, um, you know, all of those multi-level marketing companies that are selling essential oils and just sticking with that just for a moment, that are selling essential oils now and all of the consultants out there who are selling them and pushing them, I'm thinking to myself, I mean, and, and I'm, I'm quite the humanitarian, so I don't know if I'm on the wrong track with this, but I look at how we abuse our animals for the purpose of enjoying a good steak when I think, shit, you know, we could, we, oh, I said it again, didn't I? Oh, I said that, I said that word last week too. Oh, no, I'm so sorry, listeners. I will definitely put a swear jar in front of myself. <laughs> and so you should. Yeah, I should. I Five dollars. Oh, shame on me. <laughs> but I do look at that and I think we exploit our animals to such a, a disgusting extent that any time that there's a profit involved where humans get to make money at the cost of something that nature naturally provides, we exploit it, abuse it, and run it dry. Mm-hmm. And it's part of humanity that makes me sick to my stomach. So I just wonder if that's not happening with our beautiful plants that are giving of themselves constantly, mm-hmm. but now with all of this wastage and you know this misinformed usage it would only be natural i would imagine that we would completely rape and pillage all of the natural resource and therefore have to produce something that's synthetic mm-hmm. there yeah. it is in a nutshell yeah. <laughs> and look and mm. and you're you're absolutely um spot on about that i think there is a lot of that thankfully with uh essential oils most of the essential oils that we use crops are actually grown for that purpose um hence the beautiful lavender fields in provence and so they're grown for the purpose of um cutting and distillation uh i know that sandalwood in india became a major issue for for the reason not and and also because sandalwood is also used there for um cremations so you know, it's, yeah, it's knowing, it's knowing sources, it's knowing suppliers. Um, and, and going back to what you are saying about, um, you know, industries, I know that, that Kim is much more aware of, um, of the essential oil industry, as I said, here in Australia than probably I am. Um, but, there are also, you know, sometimes I'm scrolling through Instagram and just as a humble aromatherapist, I'm reading how people are taking or using essential oils and I'm, I'm actually really getting quite scared um, because they're not designed for that. They are potent, you know, 70 times more potent than the plant 
on a on an average that makes them very potent and there's people you know tipping them neat into their mouths or ingesting them or you know putting four drops in a bath for a, a child or a baby it's just too much so maybe it's not just that you know it, that we are consuming them maybe we're over consuming them mm. so just pull back and and use them in in the dosages and the the way that they were recommended and i would say if you're buying essential oils from anyone find out who they are like what what knowledge and experience they have to sell you those essential oils. Are they qualified? Are they like Kim? Are they a qualified aromatherapist? Um, do they actually know what um, good essential oil safety is? So, look, I'll get off my soapbox, but that's just, just my thing because, you know, I use them, I love them, and I'd like them to be respected. I agree with you. I think that... I think it's like I think it's like anything. If we can, if we can appreciate and exp- and respect and use them with absolute gratitude, then all of that, like you say, that absolute wastage, that um, it, it being too much, that mm. overconsumption, you know. And and I'm the first one to admit that if 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 I can, you know, like with the oils in my diffuser or the oils that I put into my body boost each day, I can be quite luscious with them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm honest. On you, I'm, confess- <laughs> I'm confessing. <laughs> but that, I d- takes, that takes me to a really interesting comment. It's probably one of the ones where even Cindy started. Do you know the food and flavoring industry um, and the fragrance industry? So I remember when I first started creating products, and someone had bought a Sadashi moisturizer, and they came back to me and said, I really can't smell much. I can't, it hasn't got much of a fragrance. And I said, well, that's because I don't use fragrances. I only use essential oils. And they said, but don't essential oils have fragrance? And I said, yes, but I'm putting the essential oils in there for the purpose of actually helping your skin not to fragrant the jar. So, and, and I've even seen people with vaporizers, and well done to you, Karen, for your honesty, but people, <laughs> you know, putting 15 or 20 drops into a vaporizer, like a, you know, that's going to fragrant their air with pure essential oils, a nice safe way to do it. But, you know, six to eight drops, that's what you need. So that just remember too that they not only absorb into our bodies by putting them on our skin, but they absorb into our bodies by inhaling them, by breathing them. So they absorb into our bloodstream that way. So we don't need to overuse them. Subtle is good. <laughs> Kimmy does say that often. She often says, less is more. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we don't need to completely drown ourselves in the lusciousness of lavender all the time, Kaza. <laughs> Ah, yes, but occasionally you can be forgiven. (laughs) I do think think there are times in life, especially, you know, when things go a little bit sideways or you get a little bit, um, you know, taken. And even just recently I was saying to to everybody last week, I lost lost my dog and um, it's been an incredibly emotional time. But, you know, one of the things that I've been saying to myself every day is that I'm going to lean on my plants I'm going to lean on my trees. I'm going to lean on my plants and they'll be my emotional support. And I've never done that before. But this time around, I really, you know, have appreciated 
the power that the oils have given me and my hugging of my trees and naming of my palm trees as I hug them. I have Penelope and I have Wallace at the back and I have another pot plant named Douglas. Oh, <laughs> that's gorgeous. <laughs> and I, I hold their little hands and I hug them and it's been an incredible experience to try to, to, to um, garner my emotional support through the beauty of what nature is providing. And I can, I can honestly say I think I'll always do that because hmm. that's been a profound um, method that I've employed in my own self-soothing and my own uh, self-healing rather than you know looking to the world outside to make me better. I've kind of really looked at what I can do from the inside out and how I can draw on what's natural. And I think that the oils, the the beautiful essential oils, the beautiful um, sensory experience that we get by being in harmony with nature in and of itself is also healing as much as the actual properties are uh, of each of the, you know, of the oils. It's, it's a beautiful thing. I just wanted yeah. to share that. Mm, it's beautiful. Yeah, that's gorgeous. And I want to say that one of the things that I learnt from Megan um, that I've always known with my, even my grandmother who passed away at 49 when I was just nine years of age, she had a green finger and she used to talk to her plants and her mm. vegetables all the time. Like you're talking about Douglas. I can't, I can't stop picturing Douglas. Um, yes. and, and Wallace, don't forget Wallace. And Wallace. And- oh, <laughs> darling. Oh, God, I love you. Um, but one thing that, that, that we do with 28 and we have done from day one and our listeners and, and, customers may or may not know this but Megan has been to India a number of times and she found this music for us called Rain Melody which we play 24-7 to our products so the moment that they are manufactured in Sadashi who I might add the whole team there and, and I'd love to ask you about Transcendental Meditation Megan and what you do with your team but then the products come to us and they sit there with this music being played to them 24-7 and sometimes we have people say, oh, my gosh, your products are so incredible. And, yes, I'd love to think that the botanical ingredients are certainly a part of that. But I often also wonder, Megan, how much the energetic love that we put into our little boutique um, product range, we're not massive, as you know, and Sadashi is not what I'd call a big um, international you know, David Jones Myers brand. It is a very boutique, incredible, high six-star, um, luxurious range and you've made 28 with the same intention. So I would just love to for you to share what your, your energetic vibrational intention is behind the products as well and what you do with your team to ensure that that is maintained. Mm, nice. Um, well, I do, I do believe that we are all a vibration. So we all have a vibration. And the best way that I can probably describe this is I know when I'm feeling very grumpy or when I'm a little bit out of sorts or maybe I'm stomping around the house a little bit too loudly, my partner and has four, four children that I'm a stepmother to all pick up the vibration that, oh, Megan's a little bit not happy right now. So maybe Is that really how they say it? <laughs> oh, Megan's not happy. Mm, not sure. Let's ask them what they're saying. But I do notice they stay very quiet. <laughs> so, um, so we all emit this vibration. And there's, um, there's a beautiful piece of music called Rain Melody. And it has 
been researched and, and proven to that the the vibration that that emits when played brings coherence and brings harmony and brings peace to its environment. So I love it. I, I actually know that Kim plays it to her 28 products and I love that. We, we do play it at Sadashi um, when we're manufacturing and it, it runs again 24-7. But coming back to, to that vibration and that intent, um, there's that beautiful movie like Water for Chocolate, which I just love. And it does talk about the intent that you have when you're cooking or making food. And if you're, if you're making food and you're putting love and you're putting beautiful energy into that food, then when everyone is eating that food, they're actually going to have a sense of that. They're going to get that feeling where if you're cooking dinner and you're in a real grump or or feeling really peeved that you actually have to make food, then it may not digest as, as easily. So that whole um, analogy, I took into Sadashi, and from day one I've always believed that it's important when we are manufacturing um, our skincare products that the right vibration or the right energy is around so that when people have the experience of putting those beautiful products on their face, they get something more than just skincare. And they're the things that, that I think people do more and more gravitate towards. Um, for Transcendental Meditation, which you asked me about, well, it is Transcendental Meditation, but it's a technique. It's it probably more than just a meditation, it's a technique. And actually just a couple of weeks ago, I went and listened to the lovely Bob Roth, who's part of the David Lynch Foundation in the US. And he's written a book um, called Strength in Stillness, uh, which is about the transcendental meditation technique and, and what it does. And David, the David Lynch Foundation in the US um, support the returning servicemen and they support schools to learn this technique. Um, and he was actually talking about a school in San Francisco, which was known to be, they, he said they had to call the ambulance and the police at least twice a week to the school. It was so bad. Um, the, the crime and the, um, and the challenges that they had and the kids beating each other up. So someone flagged this school to the David Lynch Foundation and they sent someone out to talk to the headmaster. And he, was, he wasn't really on board, but he was at the stage where he was kind of like, I'm desperate, you know, we'll, we'll try anything. So what they did was they sent out a letter to the parents and it had to be a consent for the parents for the children to learn. They got a 60% consent from, so 60% of the children learnt, all the teachers learnt and the headmaster learnt. And I am not exactly sure how many, whether it was just a few weeks or whether it was a couple of months. That school has now changed dramatically. Those children are now getting higher grades. There's no more crime. There's no more ambulances, police going. And I think it was if within either three or six months, the other 40% of the children learned because those parents saw what was happening. So, you know, I've known about, about this technique for a long time and I personally learned it 23 years ago. So... 
We give everyone at Sadashi the opportunity to learn this technique um, when they join us and we help subsidise them. And then everyone has the opportunity every afternoon to come together and do a group meditation. Mm, I love it. I so love it. we're doing our little bit for, for the environmental consciousness around us. Mm. I will tell you a story about we had this huge hailstorm in Perth a few years, a number of years ago. And it was really interesting because it, it does say that if the te- technique is being practiced regularly in a building, it helps to emit you know, like a field of protection almost. Well, when in this hailstorm, no one in our vicinity got hit. One of our staff members was actually, at the time, she wasn't at work and she was 15 k's away and her car got absolutely smashed. But no one at Sadashi was bothered by the hailstorm. So that's my little, <laughs> that's my little bit. <laughs> Yeah. Just, um, I know we're coming towards the end of the podcast, but I just, you mentioned something earlier around Googling ingredients. Um, I've mentioned this before on a podcast, but if you guys want to go to ewg.org, the environmental working group.org, there's a app you can download called Skin Deep. And you can actually put the ingredient that you're questioning in there and it'll get a red, a green or an orange light. And obviously red means no go. Orange means it's moderately um, not safe. It might have a number three or four rating. Or a green light is usually zero or one. So, um, you know, use that as a guide as well. If you guys are keen that are listening to this, that's a lovely way to check ingredients. Now, of course, not all ingredients are in there. Um, but the majority of the main ones are. And I think for me, when I'm looking at labels, back to Cindy's original thing, the minute I see the word paraben, um, I just don't touch the product. (laughs) If I see sodium benzoate, I don't touch the product. If I see sodium lauryl sulfate, even if in brackets they put coconut derived. So they're trying to trick the consumer into understanding that, you know, if it's got a jojoba derivative or a coconut derivative, then it looks more healthy, but it's as Megan and and Cindy have alluded to, it is actually the processing that is causing the issues in in contaminating those products as an end product. So, you know, I think those couple of those things, so the mineral acid paraben or sodium lauryl sulfate, just like in the food industry, if I see 951 or 621 as in um, aspartame or 621, which is MSG, or if I see yeast extract or natural flavoring or fragrance, um, or perfume is another one that sometimes I try and at least investigate what that perfume is. So is there anything else you'd recommend around that? that no, that's a pretty good list. I think the parabens, propylene glycol is another one. Um, but, you know, the parabens, more and more um, people are pulling those out because those are the scary ones. They're the ones that lodge into the fatty, diffuse tissue and become a, an issue. Which is why they're called obesity. Yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely. So, yeah, if you see something with parabens, don't even pick it up. <laughs> so, Megan, can you say to us, if you had a message for our beautiful listeners, a lot of them are beautiful mums, they're busy women working, we do have some very brave men mm-hmm. um, that listen to this podcast and we just want to shout out a massive hug and a hello to you, darlings. Um, but what would be, if, if Megan Larson had an opportunity to say something to our beautiful listeners and Karen, I, I can't remember how many downloads you say that we get, but there's, there's quite there's a quite- lot. What is it, Karen? 2.5 mil. <laughs> Very good. Excellent. <laughs> An opportunity to talk to 2.5 million 
downloads, people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what would be Megan Larson's message? First of all, I'm glad you've told me that at the end and not at the beginning. <laughs> um, my message would be to believe in yourself um, and to find products and brands that you can believe in as well. I would say listen to Up For A Chat and listen to these girls because collectively uh, I feel absolutely honoured to be on the show because collectively the knowledge and experience that you, Karen and Cindy have, Kim, is amazing. Um, But, you know, I, I would say don't be over confused. Just look for... If you're looking at products or brands, look for names that you can understand. Um, but, yeah, believe in yourself and live life with passion and purpose. I love it. <laughs> and just tell us briefly, you're, you're about to enter into the world of authoring another book of yours. Oh. Do you want to give us a little bit of a brief insight into that? Um, well, maybe. <laughs> I Look, I have been pondering the book writing world for so long that I have decided it's time. Mm. And in my experience of starting Sadashi in a world where the internet didn't even exist, um, I had to build relationships one-on-one um, and been a little bit of a pioneer in an industry I decided it was time to to share some of my story and my insights, and hopefully their insights, and uh, and to write a book. Mm. I think it's as much a journey for yourself as it is a journey for anyone else. But mm. yeah, I'm I'm excited to be embarking on it, and we're looking forward to it. Cindy and Karen, do you have any other questions for our beautiful Megan? No, I've just thoroughly enjoyed listening to every word. I feel like I've been munching on everything that you've been saying today. It's just, it's been quite fabulous and you have quite a mesmerizing voice, Megan. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's been just, it's been both a, an, an informative experience, but also quite delicious. Oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so thank yeah, you for being said. a part of the show. <laughs> what was it Cindy yeah what she said (laughs) you're already meditating over there are you absolutely (laughs) well we are very privileged to have you on our show beautiful Megan and we have known each other it's quite interesting since 1987 so it's extraordinary that you came into my world after 10 years of looking for someone to help me Um, create a range of products that I believed could be made without all the harsh chemicals and all the different things that everyone else kept telling me it had to be. So I think my message would be to have patience if you're dreaming of something. I'm not even talking about the skincare world or anything. I loved your advice around the essential oil world. The multi-level marketing industry has brought a beautiful light um, to our industry. It's shown it brightly and we've been very fortunate that it's given us Um, a highlight into our world but I too agree that it's really important and even though they they might be highly qualified professionals giving the advice from the top by the time it's filtered down you just want to make sure that people are staying within their scope of practice when they're actually sharing their love of oils because I think a lot of it is nobly shared with an intent of their love of the product but the minute someone, my question would always be, if someone starts telling you to ingest essential oils, I would, my first question would be is what's your qualification? So we don't even know the ramifications of long-term ingest, you know, ingestion of these oils. And as Megan said, that they were never designed for that. 
that's why we have herbal teas and beautiful um, herbal tinctures and, and products that have been made medicinally for thousands of years. But essential oils were definitely used as an external um, uh, product and also in the flavouring industry, it's, it's very little, very, very little is used in a product. So beware. So thank you, beautiful Megan. Um, it's a privilege. We've wanted you on the show for nearly five years, so it's it's wonderful to have you sitting. We've both got the he- headphones. We're very close to one another. We're sharing <laughs> headphones. I wish I'll take a photo for you. It's almost like we're kissing. And I'll say to you that um, you know here she is, a very highly intelligent woman, Megan, and she put the earphone in her left ear. I'm on her right side. You'd think she would have put it in her right ear, and the whole time she kept twisting her body around for me to speak into the microphone. So I'm just saying highly intelligent, but maybe not necessarily bright when it comes to sharing. <laughs> just putting it into perspective. Eh? Hysterical. I love it. I love it. Oh, I love all of you. Thank you so much. For Thank you, Megan. Thank you for being a part of the show. It's been wonderful to experience you. And for all of our listeners, hopefully you guys have enjoyed today's show as much as we've enjoyed bringing it to you. If you've got any questions or comments for Megan, go to our Facebook page at allthews.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat. Also, you can go to allthews.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat. And just a quick reminder, everybody, last week we spoke about our trips to New Zealand in 2019 and our trip to Europe in 2020. We have been inundated with people expressing their interest and keen to stay on the mailing list for information about those two trips. So if you are keen to be a part of that, email me at info at karensmith.com and it's C-A-R-R-E-N.com. Otherwise, if you forget the email, just pop a note in our messages section of the Facebook page and you'll get my email address as an automatic responder. Thank you to everybody for attending to today or attending and listening to today's show. We're going to see you here same time, same station next week, right here on Up for a Chat, where you get to become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. And we'll see you on the trail. Bye, everybody. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.